Psalm 103 begins with the words of David, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen. Several years ago, uh, Pastor Dave asked me to preach on Psalm 88. Uh, most of you, I think, were not here at that time, but uh, I introduced that sermon with my friend Eeyore. Eeyore represents Psalm 88 as one of the low points. If you know anything about Eeyore, he's not a happy guy. Psalm 103 is the polar opposite of Psalm 88. Psalm 103 is the snoopy happy dance of the Psalms. <laughs> We've gone from Eeyore to the height of happiness with Psalm 103. Just remember that. Thank you. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who is David talking to? Himself. Any number of people will tell you that if you talk to yourself, you're probably crazy. However, we have 
biblical precedent that talking to yourself about spiritual things is a good thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. To bless God means to speak well of him, to speak highly of God for who he is and for the wondrous things that he's done because he's a good God, he's a kind God, and he's about to get into those particulars. He goes on in verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget his benefits, soul. He's preaching to himself, saying, don't forget. What did we do Sunday that was here on this table, you recall? What was that? The, the Lord's Supper, the, the Lord's table. And on the front of the table there is written what? Why? Because we forget. Let me ask you a question. How many, how many of you were in Sunday school this past Sunday? Okay, how many of you remember what the lesson was about? Come on, class. Uh, see? See, that's why we have to do these things. We have to remind ourselves of who God is. Don't forget his benefits. Benefits? What kind of benefits? Well, when we think of benefits, we think of, okay... I've got a job with benefits. Not only are they going to pay me to work here, but they're going to give me life insurance and health insurance and a 401k and a retirement program, and, and you get to use the gym. <laughs> yeah. So those are the kind of benefits, you know, that you have in your job. What, are the, what kind of benefits do we have as believers in the Lord? Ephesians 1 comes to mind where Paul says that we have been blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. What is that? We don't even know. I mean, how long is that list? We have no idea. But all the spiritual blessings that can be had in heaven are ours because we're in Christ, all of them. I don't think David understood all of that. But he understood a lot. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity. Stop. Stop right there. That's why, why does he start there? Why is that the first benefit that he mentions? Because that's the one that's the most important. If your sins aren't forgiven, nothing else matters. You gain the whole world and lose your soul. That's what he's talking about. Our, our sins, our iniquities have to be forgiven. We're, we're condemned. We need a Savior. And it's God. God is the only one who can forgive us of the sins that we've committed against him. And so that's at the very top of the list. The number one benefit that you have as being in Christ is your sins are all forgiven. I think somebody said something about that this past Sunday. All your sins are forgiven in Christ. Not most. Not 99%. All of them. He heals all your diseases. Does he? If your diseases are healed, who heals them? Ultimately, God is responsible for that. 
And ultimately, yes, all of our diseases will be healed. There's coming a day when we will never experience another illness of any kind whatsoever. Because why? Because God is the one who, this is a, a benefit of knowing God. He redeems your life from the pit, verse 4, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who does that sound like? Do you, can you think of anybody in the Bible who was, whose life was redeemed from a pit? I can think of at least two. But the first one that comes to mind is Daniel. That wasn't even in the list. Okay, there's three. There's three. The, the first one is Joseph, right? His brothers throw him in a pit, leave him for dead. And God not only delivers him from the pit, but crowns him and makes him the viceroy over all of Egypt. So you go from the pit, from dying to being king of the known world. God is the one who does that. Verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I guess it's I guess it's the King James that talks about Lot living in Sodom and how he was vexed. That's the King James term. He was troubled, but I like the word vexed. It just seems to have a little more meat on the bones. Troubled, crushed, depressed, discouraged over the things that he saw and heard. I think that's the sort of thing that David is talking about, that living in the world, we become weighed down by it. And then it's God who restores us, who satisfies us, so that whereas before we felt pressed down, God lifts us up. That's one of the benefits of believing in God. And notice, he's saying all this to himself. He's reminding himself of these things. We have to remind ourselves regularly because regularly we forget things and it doesn't get better as you get older. Ask me how I know. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Is that true? Literally, it's not true. What's he talking about? Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. It's his own people for whom he works righteousness and justice. When they are oppressed, were the Jews ever oppressed? And did God ever work righteousness and justice for them? Yes. When? Egypt oppressed with slavery and God delivers them let me in in thinking about verse 7 flip over to Psalm 147 just for a moment 
Psalm 147. And we're not going to go through that, the, the whole psalm, but I want you to notice just a couple of verses. I'm, going to, I'm just going to jump right in. Verse 16. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. Now verse 19. He declares his word to Jacob. His statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. And to praise the Lord is not praise the Lord that the nations don't know the rules. (laughs) Praise the Lord that he has dealt with us this way. That God has declared his word to Jacob, that his, his statutes and his rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules, but we do. Israel had most favored nation status for hundreds and hundreds of years. Why? Because God chose to bless them to the neglect of the rest of the world, to the neglect of the Gentiles. And so when he says here back in Psalm 103 verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, I think David is applying that to Israel. This is particularly applicable to them. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. This this is a magnificently gracious act on the part of God to reveal himself to to anybody, but he revealed himself to Israel. And that's part of the reason why this is such an upbeat psalm, because he's glorying in the blessing of God upon the Jews. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That comes from Exodus 34. He's he's quoting from the law, from the law of Moses. He will not always chide. Are you familiar with the word chide? I looked it up. I thought I knew what it meant. To rebuke. To speak against. And David says, God will not always chide. He will not always chide with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. There's not always going to be this contention between us and God. The day is coming when that's going to be done. It's going to be over. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Yes. Is that a benefit? (laughs) That God does not deal with his people according to their sins? nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, and here's the caveat, so great is his steadfast love toward whom? Those who fear him. His steadfast love is toward those who fear him. That's a that's a vastly misunderstood concept amongst Christians. And immediately people say, well, we're not supposed to be afraid of God, are we? If you fear God, you will not wantonly sin against him. 
for fear. Because God chastens those that he loves and he disciplines his children. And that's, that's, you know, I don't know about you. I don't like discipline. I don't like to be chastened. Did you enjoy your mom and dad getting upset with you? No. And then when God gets angry with us because of our sin and he, he chides with us and, and, and he's angry with us, thankfully he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. So when we sin against him, there's a certain amount of, of fear that should drive us to repentance quickly. I don't want my Heavenly Father to be upset with me. I don't want to invite chastisement or discipline. That's not fun. The writer of Hebrews even says so. It's not fun. It's not fun. But it's good and necessary. Then notice verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, I don't know if you, maybe you have, this has been explained to you before in this way, but, you know, north and south, you can only go so far north until you start going south again. You know, there's a limit there between north and south. East and west, you can go east from now on. You can go west from now on. And there's, there's no, at no point are you going east again. You're still going west. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who what? Fear him. Again, there is a caveat there. There's a condition that must be met. Those who fear him, the Lord loves. Those who do not fear him couldn't care less. The fear of God is a healthy thing. It's a good thing because we recognize who he is. We understand who it is we're dealing with. We understand that he's holy and we're not. There's the the biggest problem, which is why he starts with forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. He starts there. He starts with the main problem that we have that exists between God and people, sin. God hates it. We love it. That's the problem. And so to fear God is to hate sin. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. That is, that is an excellent reminder. Someone once said, you know, there was, there was a, some sort of problem and somebody wanted to come in and just, it was just overkill the, how they were going to deal with this problem. And they said, there's no need to kill mosquitoes with sledgehammers. Okay, that's, that's, that's overkill, right? That's just not necessary. Why? Well, because mosquitoes, you know, and it's done. God understands what we're made of, and he deals with us accordingly. He doesn't kill mosquitoes with sledgehammers. 
he, how many of you are familiar with, with uh, Pilgrim's Progress? Christian crosses the, the river. He, he's dying. He's going to the celestial city. He's going from this life to the next life, but he has to cross the river. And on his way across, the water gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And as the water gets deeper and deeper, and it gets up to his chin, and he thinks he's going to drown, and he's terrified. But he, makes, he perseveres, and he makes it all the way across to the promised land. In the sequel to Pilgrim's Progress is the book Christiana. And there's a character in Christiana whose name is Fearful. His time comes to die. He's terrified. I mean, before he ever even gets to the river, he's terrified. But he knows he's got to cross the river to get to the celestial city. And so he, he has to die in order to go to heaven. And so crossing the river is, is dying. So he steps into the water and starts heading across to the other side. The angels are encouraging him to come. To, to make the trip across the river to get to the celestial city. And as he crosses the river, because he's fearful, the water never gets deeper than his ankles. God deals with us according to our frame. He knows that we are but dust. And so he treats us accordingly. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, it's gone, and its place knows it no more. The, the, our lives are transient, temporary, brief. Wind blows, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. What? On whom? On those who fear him. On those who fear him. Now, maybe, maybe you don't have this problem, but I can sort of see how I can kind of wrap my head around eternity future. You know, life without end. That God's love is going to be on me. He saved me. And from this point on until eternity, his love is on me. I can, I mean, that's, that's inconceivable. But that's not all. It says the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting. From eternity past. That's the part that I, I, how can that be? That God has always, his steadfast love has always been upon those who fear him. From eternity, from before the foundation of the world until life without end, God's love steadfastly rests on those who love him and fear him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Now, I'm going to throw a wrench in it. Who keeps his covenant? 
And we're talking about Old Covenant, right? We're talking about the covenant of Moses. Who keeps that covenant? Nobody can keep that covenant. But there are those who know that they can't keep it. And they call out to God for mercy. They bring their sacrifices, believing, understanding that, that there's a day coming when our sins will be completely taken away because not because of these lambs these animals that we bring but because there's a there's a messiah coming who's going to take care of this for us once and for all the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all his kingdom rules over everything and he's still talking to his own soul He's still reminding himself of these things until he gets to verse 20. And then he turns his attention and says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. You bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, everything, all of creation, in all places of his dominion. Then... Back to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. Beloved, what a, what a wondrous, this, this, this psalm should drive you to the happy dance. Happy dance in the Lord because of what he has done, because of who he is, and how he has revealed himself to Israel, to the people of God. He has not dealt with the nations like that, but he has dealt with his own that way. This fear God and follow hard after him and encourage your own soul in these wondrous benefits that we have in the Lord.